0: Hello, this is Nick, one of your co hosts of The Regulators. And instead of me giving you a review rating of a podcast, I had a one on one interview with Mr. Lance, who has his hands tied in with a podcast I previously reviewed and rated. And it is called EC Comics Presents The Vault of Horror. So, I hope you enjoy listening to this one-on-one interview as much as I enjoy conducting it. I learned a bunch of new things and I learned why I love the podcast. You know, so many things about it, you know, like even so small as to ask of a question if all of the voice actors record in the same room or, or are they all in different places sending in you know, lines here, lines there, lines here, lines there, for the editing team to all put together, and you know, finding out answers to questions like that, and his explanation of answers to questions like that, you know, made me say to myself, well, no wonder I love this podcast, so, without any further ado, here is the one-on-one interview that I had with Mr. Lance, hope you enjoy Regulators, it's time to mount up. It's time to pod up. This right here is a podcast called The Regulators, and what that is is two individuals who listen to podcasts. What they do is they listen to podcasts and then they go press record and they review and they rate said podcast. The two individuals are Sean and Nick. Some episodes will be a Sean hosted episode, some episodes will be a Nick hosted episode, and on a very rare occasion. Some episodes will be a both Sean and Nick hosted episode, but for this episode here, we're going to step away from our normalness. I, Nick, which is me, I rated and reviewed a podcast on this last episode of The Regulators called EC Comics Presents The Vault of Horror. And I have with me on the line, one of the host creators, Mr. Lance, how are you doing? for having me on now the first question i always ask the podcasters when i have them on you you are the third podcaster that we've done an interview episode out of when did your podcast start and what made you want to start the podcast and the content at hand
1: here we go uh the podcast officially started on march 20th 27th I believe well, yeah March 27th mm-hmm. initially we released EC Comics Presents as an audio book but the intent was always to turn it into a podcast um, my uh, co-founder of my friend and the co-founder of Pocket Universe Productions our production company William DeVries mm-hmm. had been long wanting to jump into the podcast world and this was going to be one of the first major prod ca- projects that we were going to do. I was about to say, project, broadcasts, I don't know what that came out of, uh, <laughs> one of the first projects that we were going to do. And we are releasing, we released the first two episodes on the 27th, and we are releasing an episode each week until June 5th. So there will be a total of 12 episodes of EC Comics Presents. But for those 12 episodes, you're getting 24 stories. Adapted from the original comic books in sequential order, mind you.
0: Hey, that's that's awesome. I listened to it yesterday. You know, I done the review and the rating, and I loved it. Oh, I, thank you. I, I I loved every word, every sound effect, just the whole enchilada. I loved it all.
1: What you are ultimately hearing is also the product of, on the part of Bill Dufres, who directed it. 30 years of experience. I should explain where our background is. Our background is in the world of audio drama, but not just any audio drama, Uh, at least in terms of American terms of audio drama. Uh, Bill Dufresne was trained by the BBC. So he worked with some of the biggest names in BBC audio and some people would say well he's biased and I would say he's extremely biased he was working with Dirk Maggs the director of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy and he was working on productions with Kathleen Turner and Helena Bonham Carter and he was the voice of Bob the Builder for nine years Bill was also the voice of Spider-Man in the BBC serial, one of the most successful, I think, BBC afternoon serials they ever did. He played Peter Parker, The Amazing Spider-Man. So he learned his trade from working at the BBC in their light entertainment division. And then when he came over to America, or I should say, came back to America, he lived there for 13 years with his first wife. Uh, he jumped into the world of audiobooks and gleaned even more technical experience from that. And I learned everything that I've learned from him but also from listening to some of the best um, originators of audio drama, those who have created really strong, marketable works like Dirk, but also Tom Lopez and a lot of names that I, I won't bring up here, but people who have put out really good, strong, marketable audio dramas. And we just learned from the best over those years. And what you're hearing in this in this production is the accumulation of all that knowledge. Yeah, yeah that's,
0: that, uh, that is that. That is amazing the yeah. the first voice that you hear uh, i don't know if you would call that the host or the narrator or whatever kevin. <laughs> yes
1: <laughs> well you you probably wouldn't know the name kevin grievous but i think you would know uh something else that kevin was involved with are you familiar with the underworld movie franchise uh
0: i will probably have to see it to give you an answer of yes or no yeah
1: Okay, that was uh, the uh, film series with Kate Beckinsale about. Oh vampires, yes, and yes, 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 yeah. yes, yes, yes. Okay, Kevin created Underworld. Wow. Kevin Grievous created. We have the creator of the Underworld movie franchise as our host, and it was funny. We um, <clears throat> Bill and I are friends with the son of the producer of the Batman movies. And when we told him that we were going to turn one of the old EC comics into an audio drama, he said, I have the perfect host for you. And he knows just about everybody in Hollywood, but he was thinking in terms of voices because he knew that Bill and I wanted to do a voice that was different from The Crypt Keeper in Tales from the Crypt. So wanted to go in a completely different direction voice wise and in order to you know separate ourselves from the tv show as much as possible so he calls us up and says i have the perfect voice for you uh, his name is kevin grievous <clears throat> kevin is uh he's the creator of underworld he uh co-created and co-wrote i frankenstein um he is a voiceover actor himself he's done a lot of work for the dc comics uh, animated films he also is a, a he also has uh, his own uh, comic book company he's a comic book publisher and he loves the old easy comics material and you guys want to talk to him, sure we have a uh, conference call with him and we hear the deepest voice we have ever heard in our lives and that's when Bill immediately said this is him, this is him, this is who we have to have and we were just so lucky that Kevin agreed to do it, not only did he agree to do it but he was one of the most personable people we've ever worked with and you know just working with him in the studio and hearing that laugh for the first time right it it just just shook the it just shook the studio you know it was the perfect
0: voice oh yes very very perfect like when i was listening to it literally the thought process that came to my mind is why is this available for free like this should be like (laughs) uh, 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 a patreon uh podcast you know
1: (sighs) I, th- I think that's going to be probably down the future. I mean, one of the things that's got to happen in, in podcasting is you've got to start building an audience. You've got to start developing a right, right, right. fan base. And I'm hoping that as this moves forward, and a- even after the 12 episodes are over, that the fan base continues to build. You know, unfortunately. Um, Jonathan, our other producer, and I had a lot of plans uh, set aside to promote this guy. But most of those promotional plans involve being actually out in the world with people. And right now that doesn't seem to be happening. So, you know, we've got plans for the future. But hopefully the the intent is to keep the ball rolling in terms of finding those audience members and keep the ball rolling in terms of bringing in those numbers that way when we are ready to do a second season. Right. hopefully that'll be next year we have a strong enough fan base to where we can say okay let's put together a patreon or let's put together something with whoever we're going to be working with if it's if we're still with podbean or we're with a different uh hosting network mm-hmm. that involves that has something similar to podbean a lot of a lot of them are, are doing that right now uh that we have the numbers to justify being able to pull that together
0: right yeah yeah well i yeah, am yeah. currently on like Three, I think, possibly even four. I don't know. I do a lot of podcasts, but each one of them we uh we use Anchor as our hosting. Yeah, yeah, we love it. I don't know if you've heard anything about.
1: Oh yeah, what they do, and uh, all. We're always looking. We're always checking out who's going to be new, who's going to be. Right. Uh, it's, it's funny. There's always going to be some newcomer coming up and oh, saying, yes. "Oh, now all we're the time. best. We're now we're the right. best." And you know, it's the, the war between Libsyn and Blueberry and and Podbean and and Anchor will will just tighten up i think even more more in the next couple years
0: right but you know most more oh i'm sorry go go ahead. ahead
1: I was about to say, even as more and more podcast networks are now sprouting up, I'm pretty sure Gimlet and Wondery are going to be getting some serious competition
0: in the oh, next yes. two yes. or three years. Without a doubt. I tell people all the time that I, I thirst for all things knowledgeable podcasted. I'm a lifetime subscriber to Podcast Magazine. I get daily newsletters from Podcast News, PodMov, Chaser, all yeah. that. But the only thing really, well, I can't say it's the only thing, but I can't say it's one of the main things. The anchor has going for them is they are 100 percent free and they have unlimited storage. Yeah. And if yeah. you're and if you're in America, they give you a sponsor. Exactly. So you can make money off your podcast. Yeah, so That's yeah. a big that's a big, you know, factor for most people, you know, like me sure. anyway, you know, I really didn't have the money at the time when we first started to, you know, pay 20, 30 dollars a month for a podcasting host. I got lucky when I found Anchor. Right, 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 right. Cool. Now, uh, when you talk talking about promoting, I sent you a link on Twitter about the other podcast that I broadcast on so you could record yeah. up to a 60-second voice message promoting your podcast, and I will add it to the next couple episodes of the other podcast that I'm on. That way we Wonderful. can probably drum up you some listeners.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, and I this is also a very personal project and why I want to drum up so many listeners, not Mm -hmm. just because it's a great piece, but also because we want people to know what a great director Bill Dufresne was. And now I'm going to give you the unfortunate bit of news that goes along with this. (laughs) This the Bucket list project for Bill Dufresne. Bill and I started this company back in 2010. Originally it was called audio comics. Mm-hmm. And we rebranded it as Pocket Universe Productions around 2015, maybe in late 2016. Mm-hmm. And we have done, we did so many great things together. We did for Audible Studios, The X-Files, audio dramas with Duke Ovene and Anderson. We mm-hmm. did Lock and Key before it became a television show. Mm-hmm. And Bill was a big fan of horror. He lived for horror, which I know would sound like an interesting dichotomy considering he was also the voice of Bob the Builder. The other thing I didn't understand about Bill was that Bill was a native Mainer. And one of the most important people to come out of the state of Maine is a guy named Stephen King. And King was a huge influence on Bill's life. And one of the reasons that Bill wanted to originally do an EC Comics series was because Bill was, again, a fan of Stephen King. And King was a fan of EC Comics growing right up. So Bill discovered these books and just really wanted to do something fun with them because the comic books themselves, yes, they are creepy. Yes, they are gory. Yes, the bad guys always get theirs in the end. If you remember Tales from the Crypt TV show, that was pretty much the same spirit, the same tone throughout. But there's also a great sense of camp. And Bill loved to have fun. If there was something that didn't take itself too seriously, then... It would click with Bill's, the inner workings of Bill's mind, you know, this is one reason why I will bluntly state this right now, why he thought Firefly was the greatest uh, science fiction television show of all time, because there were points where it didn't take itself too seriously, where there were those points of humor, and I think that's why he was also drawn to the Tales from the Crypt TV show, uh, same reason. So he really wanted to do this project, and a big part of it was because... In 2017, he gives me a call one night, because he had been complaining about swallowing. And it's a uh, guy about eight 8.15 or so my time, which makes it 11.15 his time, and I wasn't sure why he was calling me at 11.15, because he usually goes to bed early. And I pick up the phone and said hi, Bill, and he says it's cancer. And Bill had been diagnosed with cancer at the esophagus, and that has a 90% mortality rate. Actually, I think it's a little bit higher than that. Oh, me. And it was was stage three. And he went into the hospital, had the esophagus removed, came back, all the scans came back cancer-free, but there was a 50% chance it was going to come back, so that was in 2018 after that bill wanted to jump back into trying to get the rights to something from ec comics he had almost done it back in 2007. the whole thing fell through but he wanted to give it one more go they said sure you can do vault of horror because tales from the Crypt was tied up with so many different licenses right so if you want vault of horror you got it so we got the vault of horror he did these pieces we put them out and then in uh or we prepared to put them out. And then in September of last year, he gives me another call because he'd been complaining about his lower back. And that's when he tells me that the cancer has returned and it was stage four. It had metastasized to his abdomen, and his liver, and he'd been given a year. And unfortunately, oh, Bill died three days before the release of the podcast. Oh, so I really want people to hear this, not just because it is a great piece because as you pointed out in your review the actors were having a good time but also just to show people what a brilliant director william dufries really was uh he was probably one of the best directors i've ever worked with and i can't think of anybody who has ever said that they had a, a bad time working with bill Uh, I've had actors who have contacted me after working on a project saying that was one of the best experiences I've ever had in the 10, 20 years, whatever I've been working as an actor. And that's because of Bill. Bill's not only his need for perfection and his pickiness, but also his need to have fun in the process when working with actors, being an actor himself. So my goal is not just to let people know about what a great production this was, but So what a great director Bill was Aside from the fact that he was also a great friend Both to myself and our other producer John Woodward So there you
0: go Yeah that's an amazing story I hope you know I hope this podcast of yours You know makes it to to the level it should make it to You know because it it, it is a great podcast And it, it, it should you know it should be mainstream, like highly, highly, highly mainstream. I couldn't agree with you more. Now, when <laughs> I agree. when when I uh, I've only ever interviewed one more other person that had anything to do with voice acting, and it was on my other podcast, Real AKA Truth. I interviewed voice actor Atticus Jackson from the No Sleep podcast. But mm-hmm. anyway, you know, I was just mentioning that to mention that when you guys are. Recording y'all's stories in the voice actors or you know recording their lines is everyone together in one building or Is it like you send audio they record it and you send it back and you know
1: That's a great question. I will tell you that Bill hated the individual method with every fiber of his being (laughs) Uh, He called it the Disney method because that's the way things work in Hollywood when you're doing like an animated film say you're working on a Batman project Mm -hmm. the actor playing Batman the actor playing Commissioner Gore and the actor playing the Joker they're all usually going to be celebrity actors and they're not going to be in the same studio together Um, your schedules just won't allow it so you've got to have a really great voice director to be able to Manipulate everything properly, so it sounds like they're all. Even though they're everybody's recording in the same studio, it has to sound like they're all in the same studio at the same time. Right? But Andrea Romano was such a genius when she was doing that, and the X Man series. The way that Bill works is the way that Dirk Mags works, his mentor, and that is to have everybody in the studio at the same time. Because when you're working with actors who are recording from different studio spaces, <laughs> you'll hear it in their voices. Yeah, it's not, it's the not authentic. Changes. Right. Yeah.
0: Gotta have that authenticity.
1: Exactly. The tone changes are present because I'm recording in this smaller space or so I'm recording in this space and there's absolutely, like you just said, there's no authenticity to it whatsoever. Bill insisted on having all the actors in the same studio at the same time and that is because by having them in the same... St- time. It's the same tone, but the authenticity is also there because everybody is actually able to react off one another. When we look for voiceover actors, we are not going to look for people who are necessarily actors who do commercials predominantly or actors who do, uh, or voice actors, let me make that clear, Uh, a clear distinction. Voice actors who do solely video games or solely one type or another because A lot of those actors are not necessarily actors. They are voice actors who were told, hey, you have a good voice and you should get into this. This requires a completely different skill set doing audio drama. So we look for people who are actors first in terms of stage experience, in terms of film experience, and who have that predominantly in their wheelhouse. So that way when they're in front of a microphone, There's no problem whatsoever. Further, uh, Bill set it up so that one of the things you're you're hearing when you're hearing this piece is the 3D binaural microphone. And what we do is Bill sets up a 3D mic in the middle of the studio, which is the studio being his house, um, his studio behind his house, Mindside Productions. And then the actors will crowd around it with their iPads so that way there's no um, pages being rustled. And he would block out the scenes the way you would block out a play or you, the way that you would block out uh, sequences in a film. And actors will work around the 3D mic to create a completely immersive environment for the listener. So to be able to have actors who understand blocking, we never have actors standing in front of mics. We don't. I, I did that for a couple of pieces, but that I decided to uh, shoot that all together. Right. Uh, the only person who was actually in front of a mic was... The uh, Keeper and Phil Proctor, who played uh, Amner J. Tucker in the piece that you heard, Mm -hmm. both of whom are in Los Angeles. Everybody else was recorded in Maine. Everyone else was recorded in Maine. Uh, Denise Poirier, who uh, was the voice of MTV's Eon Flux, she moved back to Maine, and she lives there now full-time, so uh, we were able to get her very easily. Peter Burgrott, who's in a couple of pieces, He's one of the top audiobook narrators probably in the country, and he's also uh, one of the former actors in Caddyshack. He lives in Boston. It was an easy drive for him to come up for uh, for a weekend, so having all the actors together helped immeasurably, it made sense to have Kevin recorded in L.A., because Kevin lives in L.A., because uh, he does not interact with everybody outside of, you know, right. being a narrator. Uh, the same thing applied for Uh, Phil Proctor, who lives in L.A., we got him for an hour and a half, and he came in, and he just rocked the house. as one of the best voice actors probably we've ever worked with. Uh, But he also lives in L.A., and this was an unusual situation where it was a one-person show. So he came in and did his thing, and and again, he didn't have to work with anybody. And uh, it was just, it was that simple. The only voice, I think, in his piece was mine at the last minute, and that worked out just because I was in this in the same studio with him but uh everybody else works in maine everybody worked in maine and it just made for i think a better production it's having that spirit of camaraderie right between the actors yeah
0: yeah like i said in my review there was one line that i was hearing and you know it was a serious line but it, it was like i could i don't know if this makes any sense or not but it was like i could hear a smile on on his face as he was reading that line mm-hmm. yeah and that, that, that you know it's special you got to have something special between a group to to be able to pull something like that off
1: yeah and it also helped that the actors i think with only one or two exceptions Rot and Stephen J. Cohen among them. All the actors in Maine pretty much knew each other as well. Um, Bill was part of or had access to a very active theater scene in Maine. And it's a pretty close-knit community there. So everybody pretty much knows each other. So there's also that sense of trust. And I think that helped out immeasurably as well.
0: Now, does any of your voice actors make a living off of nothing but voice acting or do they all have other things going on? Oh, they have
1: other things going on as well. I think the only ones I can think of really are are Phil Proctor because Phil is also the co-creator of the Firesign Theater, one of the greatest comedy ensembles probably in comedy history. But he works predominantly in voiceover in LA. Uh, He was also in Rugrats for many years. Um, And I think uh, Kevin as well. But Kevin has a lot of other irons in the fire. Uh, besides voice acting so uh i think the only person that i think about who really just voiceover exclusively is phil Yeah, everybody else works on on various other things uh in main theater why specifically
0: okay now you know your, your your podcast is just getting off the ground basically how much content are we in store for like how much is in the vault of horror
1: about eight hours worth of content over the course of one season, you'll get about eight hours. Uh, every episode is, like I said, two stories per episode, but the times fluctuate per story. So one story is about, I think, close to eleven minutes. Another story is close to thirty minutes. So every episode can be anywhere between thirty minutes to almost an hour. Mm-hmm. So you, know, you get you get a lot of bang for your buck.
0: How many seasons do you think there'll be?
1: well we have one season right now we were talking originally bill and i about doing five seasons 12 episodes a season because there was only so many stories in the in the the comic books Mm -hmm. but i kind of worked it out so that it would could be told in four seasons with even more episodes Mm -hmm. but we wouldn't even be able to start work on another season for at least another year, right. simply because we've got a lot of irons in the fire right now. And there's also a lot of things that we're doing in, in the wake of Bill's passing, which is just, you know, there's a little bit o- over a month now. So I would suspect you would see more than eight hours in future seasons when we're able to get work on the or start work on those. And I should also add with, um, future seasons. One of the things that Bill and I discussed was that, um, we will bring in different writers per season. Um, The writers for this first season are myself. The episode with uh, Abner Tucker I adapted, and I took on the first story in each each episode, and the second story was taken on by Butch D'Ambrosio, who used to work for, I think, for close to 20 years as a writer for The Last Vestige, Last Gasp, however you want to call it, for EC Comics, and that was Mad Magazine. So he was very close to uh, the Gaines family because EC Comics is a family run business. Um, So we will bring in a different writer for season two, a different writer for season three and different writer for season four. But the linchpin for all four seasons would be me taking on the first story or however I and the other writer will. Split things up, but uh, uh, yeah, you'll get you'll get quite a few more episodes out of uh, future seasons.
0: Hey, that 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 was music to my ears. I was glad to hear that. You know, yeah, because I'm a like I said, I am a follower. I am a subscriber now. You Wonderful, br- you, thank you. You brought up writing. Now, when the voice actors, you know, play out the story or whatever, is that word for word how it is in the comic book, or do you add or take out anything?
1: No, uh, what's interesting with the adaptations is we updated the dialogue because the dialogue from the original 50s comics are so dated (laughs) Um, and that's one of the important things to know about working with ec and why they were so awesome to work with they initially wanted the stories to be updated uh they understood that these pieces were kind of stuck in 1950 1951 when you know ec comics was in its heyday before um you know these terrible people called moralists decided to, to make things difficult for Bill Gaines um, <clears throat> just simply because he challenged every social convention that there was with these comic books but, uh, but they were still written at that particular time so we were given carte blanche to update the stories where necessary so we in some cases took some dialogue uh, from the original comic books And we took liberties with some of the stories, but we always tried to keep them in the same setting, in the same space, so to speak. Um, Like I said, there were some exceptions. There is one episode, for example, you'll hear the very last one that I did, uh, episode 12 called Beast of the Full Moon. And there was almost nothing to that particular story. And what I did was I read through it and realized this is a melodrama. Well, what, what else is there melodrama wise? And then it clicked silent movies silent films from the 1920s were definitely melodramas so I fashioned that story as a story within a story with a silent film crew filming the Beast of the Full Moon and then something very bad happens as, as it's want for these stories and they t- were totally cool with it um which turned the story werewolf from the uh, um 14th 14th issue which is the fifth episode and he created a framing device of his own involving um the fbi and the cia and the uh uh classic stories of mk ultra and their uh, their experiments with lsd in the 1950s so we were given carte blanche by ec comics to update the stories where where it seemed necessary and they loved them and they were just great great people to work with but the most important thing about these adaptations and i think that's an important thing to note is we always kept the spirit of the original stories alive and the theme that went through every story was always there in one capacity or another and that was this somebody bad does something bad to someone who doesn't deserve it and that person winds up Getting the gruesome ending. As Bill once put it, these are morality tales. right They really are morality tales, but they're morality tales with really, really gruesome endings for the perpetrators of the crimes. So we always made sure that that was there, and as long as that was there, we knew we were on the right track.
0: Oh, without a doubt. Now, I uh, don't know how y'all guys have done it in season one, you know, with the passing of Bill or whatever. Or what y'all plans are to be for season two, but maybe you can tell me when doing this, when a season starts, do you already have all the episodes recorded and ready to release them each week, or do you record during while you know the season's going on?
1: Oh no, we make sure that uh, regardless of whether it's EC or. Whatever project we're working on, there's a lot of things that Jonathan Woodward, our other producer, and I are talking about, and it's going to be the same deal for all of them. Every episode is got to be recorded before it's released. We never leave anything to chance.
0: Yeah, 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 before. yeah, yeah, yeah. I I, I mean, in an aspect like, let's say, for example, you're going to release season two in November. So when November comes and you play the first episode of season two is let's say it has 12 episodes before november comes is all 12 episodes have been recorded already yeah. for that whole season oh okay the whole season oh yeah oh okay see some yeah. pot pi- some podcast you know say they're supposed to release in november and they're supposed to give 12 episodes for that whole season. Once November comes, they may have three already pre-recorded, but they still have to record nine more You know, while the season's going on.
1: See, I hate that. Yeah. I really hate that. I really freaking hate that. Uh, I remember the blowback that the creators of Limetown got like when is the second season happening when's the second season happening and their response was well it'll happen when it happens well how many loser? Uh, how many <laughs> how many uh, you know how many people are you losing in, right. the, in the process uh, you've got to have a plan you got to stick to it if people are subscribing to a podcast they're going to know that every episode is going to come out on the date that you, you promised uh, if it's a Tuesday and you bring it out at um, 3 p.m. every week for six weeks then for six weeks Tuesday at 3 p.m., that episode's going to come out. Right. You know, that sense of consistency is going to be there. Every episode that we do of EC Comics Presents the Vault of Horror, it's released Thursdays on GLOW FM. If people want to subscribe, they're more than willing to do so. Welcome to do so. Uh, and if you are not willing to subscribe to GLOW but you still want your, your content, it's on Apple Podcasts, it's on Stitcher, it's on Spotify, it's on iHeartRadio, it's on Google Podcasts, it's on a whole bunch of places. But it will always be released every episode through the season finale every Friday at 6 a.m. Yeah, you no gotta, exceptions.
0: Yeah, you got No keep, exceptions. Got to keep that algorithm in its, you know, in this pace of its normalness.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And you guys will know who are listening that the 12th episode will be the season finale. So that way, you know, oh, I thought there were more episodes. No, you knew this was gonna be the season finale in the 11th episode. But again, it's making sure you keep a consistent communication with your audience. And if you're not going to do that, if you're going to release an episode when you feel like releasing an episode, then what's the point in putting out a podcast quite seriously?
0: Right. I tell people all the time, if every podcast was the same, we would only need one of them. Mm -hmm. Going back to what you said earlier, you know, when we were talking about recording in the same room, when you do record in the same room, it makes it a hell of a lot easier on your editing people. (laughs) <laughs> i was the editor <laughs> well praises uh, yes. to you editing is a rough tough job
1: it is depending on the project i mean if you're having fun then it's not a uh it's not a problem but if it's a situation where you have actors and di- even actors and di- even uh people in different quarters if well i mean if it's a uh if it's a podcast where it's a non-fiction podcast and you're gonna have the host one place and you're interviewing people on skype then you know how it's going to sound if it's a fiction podcast and you've got actors working in different quarters and you've got to splice these together it's easy to splice together the thing that would annoy me is the fact that they were all done in different places right that would just make me cringe
0: is your uh is your team have y'all talked about doing anything like setting up at a future PodCon or anything like that?
1: Uh, that's probably going to be down the road. Like, like like I said, we we've got a lot of stuff that we've got to work out with um, with Bill's passing, but mm-hmm. I I know that's going to be a reality down down in the future. I'm not sure where that's going to be: podcast movement or PodCon or or what have you. Again, there's so many new podcasting conventions that are happening at a regular rate it's it's tough it's tough to, it's tough to uh, discern who's going to be the people to go to but for if nothing if for nothing else knowledge about marketing knowledge about uh, advertising uh, is going to be a, a necessary reality to start attending podcasting conventions i would love to actually go as a uh, as a speaker at some point so if anybody out there is interested right. uh, i'd love to go as a speaker at some point and just talk about the virtues of doing fiction podcasting but also doing it right it's interesting the fact that a number of film festivals are now jumping into podcasting uh for example you got Uh, the Austin film festival and Austin is like one of the top 10 film festivals in the world. And now they've jumped into podcasting. They have a podcasting for those out there who are listening, who are into fiction podcasting, they have a fiction podcasting award. If you have an original script that you want to uh, submit, you can submit it to uh, their fiction podcasting track for the possibility of, of winning an award, which is a big deal. Now Hollywood is taking close, uh, close view as to what happens in the podcasting world for obviously for ip reasons but there were a number to my knowledge of executives who took notice of who was winning the Fiction podcasting award this year uh or last year when it when it first started so uh austin is getting into it and i'm pretty sure there's going to be another festival or two that'll get into in the future but it's just absolutely fascinating how many festivals how many conventions that there are i would be really shocked if san diego comic-con doesn't tackle podcasting in the not-too-distant future. Yes, I look for it. To be you know, perfectly honest, yeah.
0: Podcasting is taking taking over slowly but surely. You know, I tell people all the time, I look for podcasts, you know, like big podcasts like, you know, Joe Rogan. He's one of the biggest podcasts in the world. He makes like $8 million a year off of his podcast. And I look for a, a podcaster like that of his virtue to sign a deal with let's say like netflix and then you know the only way you can listen or watch this podcast from then would be you know you have to purchase netflix i look for things like that to happen in in the future
1: it's inevitable right? it's inevitable yeah
0: it's it's coming you know uh there is currently right now a podcasting format called luminary and they have that's right they have like over 40 premium podcasts and you have to pay like 7.99 a month to listen to those 40 podcasts
1: exactly and there's going to be more luminaries coming in the future there's going to be more netflix of podcasting happening right, right, right. yeah you know, or if you want to if you want to go in the completely different direction there's going to be more and more uh film television
0: studios mm-hmm.
1: there's going to be more film production companies grabbing onto whatever podcast is out there i mean how right. you know, quickly after dirty john came out did it become a tv show
0: exactly
1: so it's it, you know once somebody once told me that the, what's happening right now in Hollywood is uh, it's the equivalent of a full contact sport in regard to acquisition of intellectual properties because now you've got so many different avenues to watch it from. So they're now raising the podcasting industry. You know, my my dad once put it, "Oh, they they uh, took out all the bookstores and they took out all the comic bookstores stores. Now they're going after podcasting." Yeah, pretty much.
0: <laughs> yep. Oh, uh, I think my favorite murder couple months ago signed a 10 million dollar deal with Stitcher.
1: Oh wow, I didn't yep. hear about that, that.
0: Yep. That's it, cool. That is very very very
1: cool. Yeah.
0: Speaking of that, and any question I ask you and if you don't feel like the uh, you know, delving into it just, you know, just feel free to say I don't feel like disclosing. But this is going to be a few of my last questions, not going to hold you up anymore. Are right. y'all currently an independent podcast, you know, and if so, do you plan on, if let's say you know, Gimlet, Head Gum, Loudspeakers Network, Spotify Studios, anything like that, approach y'all? Would y'all sign?
1: If they were to approach us, I, we would totally sign. But it has to be a good deal. Okay. It would have to be a good deal. Probably
0: yeah, I didn't. I didn't know bit. like if you had contractual issues with EC Comics to where you couldn't sign a a podcast deal
1: no I don't think so I don't think so but I mean they would have to deal not just with us they'd have to deal with EC as well but right. uh, I mean we'd certainly be open to talking to anybody if they were interested by all means
0: do y'all have a be YouTube page or is that gonna be something in the future that's gonna be something in the future yeah so you know cause I could definitely see uh, y'all stories being acted acted out in cartoon display on YouTube since it's come from a comic already you know <laughs>
1: we'll see we'll see i don't know it's it's, it's up to ec there's, right, there's right, a right, lot of irons right. in their fire as well so, so fire fire in their irons or irons in their fire so who knows right. who knows anything is possible
0: exactly well mr Lynch, i'm not gonna hold you up anymore it was a great 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 pleasure speaking with you and i want to formally thank you for taking time out of your day to speak with me thank you it's been fun it's been fun been real fun I will publish this episode shortly on the Regulators podcast, and I'll let you know. And if you would like the audio from this, I can send it to you as well. Wonderful. righty, Mr. Lance, I surely do appreciate it. Everybody listening, y'all be sure to go check out EC Comics Presents The Vault of Horror.